Well, friends, today we continue to work our way through the narrative lectionary, listening this fall to some of the major stories from the Hebrew Testament. Now, two weeks ago, we heard about the story of creation, uh, God's movement in the world and creation of the world as a place that's good and inviting human beings to be part of the flourishing of the world. And then last week, we heard uh, a little from the life of Abraham. Abraham was a man with whom God made a covenant that God would uh, give him land, uh, descendants to outnumber the stars, and that through um, his descendants, they would become a blessing to the world. Well, the story we heard last week was about the birth of Abraham's son Isaac and the near sacrifice of Isaac. And then we heard how God uh, spared Isaac and talked about how God is a God of life and of love. Well, a lot has happened between that story and what we're going to hear today. What we've skipped is the entire rest of the book of Genesis, which uh, covers basically that Isaac went on to have two children, Esau and Jacob. Jacob went on to have 12 sons, including uh, his son Joseph. And uh, Joseph was Jacob's favorite, and his brothers didn't like that, so they sold Joseph into slavery. And uh, Joseph was taken into Egypt. He eventually rose the ranks of Pharaoh, and uh, Joseph ended up becoming a blessing to the Egyptians and to the Hebrew people because he uh, predicted that there might be a famine and to store up grain. And sure enough, there was a famine. And so the Hebrew people, including uh, Joseph's 11 brothers, uh, came to Egypt looking for help. And there's a wonderful story about Joseph being reunited with his brothers and uh, offering to help the Hebrew people. And so at the end of Genesis, the Hebrew people are now in Egypt. Well, the story we're going to hear today is from the book of Exodus, and Exodus picks up right where Genesis left off. Exodus, though, is now going to follow not just the story of God working with these particular figures, but working with the people of Israel as a whole. And so as Exodus begins, um, the people of Israel are in Egypt, and uh, now the pharaohs have changed, and the Hebrews have uh, multiplied and grown in population, and the pharaoh begins to worry about this uh, population, and so enslaves them. So that's how the Hebrew people came to be enslaved in Egypt. And so as we're going to hear this morning, God hears the cries of the Hebrew people, and God raises up a leader. And so this morning we're going to hear about the call of Moses as the one who God invites uh, into a new calling to help free the Hebrew people from slavery. Let us listen for the word of God. A reading from the book of Exodus. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord 
saw that he had turned to aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. Here I am. Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is God's name? What shall I say to them? I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, mm -hmm. neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of God was kindled against Moses. What of your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, sees you his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth. And with his mouth, and I will, and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as God for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Oh, gracious God, as we hear this ancient story and remember your call to Moses in a burning bush in a voice, open our eyes and our ears to how you are calling us today. We pray this in your name, O Christ. Amen. I heard someone joke recently that they would just love to go back to certain and precedented times. It's true, right? I mean, it's hard to believe how much we have had to cope with these last 18 months. We've grown so accustomed to just a swath of issues to be worried about that we forget sometimes uh, just how much worry and stress 
we are carrying. It's COVID for sure, and all that comes along with that, with masking and isolation and what's safe and what's not. It's all the injustices that COVID has uh, peeled back the, the information on, the economic inequalities, the medical inequalities. It's the climate change that is just becoming more and more apparent. It's the racism that is just pervading. Our nation has for years and our own hearts that we are needing to reckon with. And it's just all the struggles of our own daily lives. Not only that, but we are also just in the midst of a shift in the church. Uh, Phyllis Tickle, who has written a lot about the church, talks about how every 500 years there is a yard sale within the church where uh, the church just has to get rid of some of the things that's not working for it. Now it's been 500 years since the Reformation and we know that the Protestant mainline white church has been in a decline for a series of years. And so um, some of the things that maybe worked before the sort of if you build it they will come mentality or the idea that people participate in the church life because that's just what you do, um, those things are all shifting. And so you have these sort of global shifts, these environmental shifts, these cultural shifts, these church shifts, and these uh, personal shifts. And we're dealing with it all at once. It's no wonder somebody wants to go back to certain and precedented times. Well, Susan Beaumont, uh, who has written this book that I and others have referenced before, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, uh, also could be called How to Live When You Don't Know Where You're Going, uh, talks about this as liminal time. That we are sort of globally, communally, interpersonally, uh, in this liminal time. Liminal being a threshold. Uh, where the old world that we've known has essentially gone away, uh, but the new world is yet to come. And so we're in this in-between time where we're not really sure what's going to emerge, and it's hard to know how to move forward. And so that brings us to our story this morning. Because one of the things as a church that we are wrestling with is just how are we being called to live? We are still closed, obviously. We don't know where we're going yet. And yet we know God wants to do something in us and through us. And so as a church, we are wondering, where is God calling? What have we been equipped to do? Where does God want us to be part of the healing of the world? And so our story this morning can be of help to us. Because it's a story that also comes in a deeply liminal time. Our story teaches something to us about God in liminal times and about how God acts in these liminal times. First of all, what we see in a story is that God sees the suffering of God's people. 
This passage we read today starts by saying God hears God's people crying out. God heard the cries of those ancient Israelites, and God hears the cries of God's people today. The cries of people who are sick, who need vaccines, of people who are living without a roof overhead, without food on the table, people who are isolated and grief-stricken. God sees the suffering of God's people. And today we know there is, there is so much suffering, but it is not lost on God. And in our story this morning, God does something about that suffering. God calls forth a partner in Moses. Now Moses is just a shepherd. He's minding his own business. Now, of course, he has this backstory. He was... Uh, born in Egypt uh, to a Hebrew mother, and uh, he was put into a basket and sent down the river and then raised in Pharaoh's court. And so he has this sort of double identity of both knowing um, what it's like to be a Hebrew person, but also being raised with the privilege of being an Egyptian. Um, but he, in his early years, he witnessed an Egyptian um, abusing a Hebrew person, and he killed the Egyptian. And so he has fled and basically built a new life for himself, away from Egypt, away from uh, the cries of his people. And it's here where he's essentially minding his own business. He is going about his daily life that God calls him and comes to him in this burning bush. Now, the story is fascinating because even though Moses will later resist, as we see in the story, what he initially does is he sees this flicker or flame out of the corner of his eye. And he says, I must turn aside and see what this is. There's a part of him that is just open and curious and willing to see what is this thing that's new and different in my path. And so he turns, and that's when the voice calls to him, Moses, Moses, here I am. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And then God identifies God's self. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses, God tells Moses that God has heard the cries of his people. And then he says, come, Moses. I'm going to send you to go up to Pharaoh and to help let my people go. In some ways, this is a wild move on God's part, but not unlike God when we think back to the story of creation that we talked about two weeks ago, where God created the world and then gave human beings a role to play, right? Help them take care of creation. And so here again, it seems God is wanting the flourishing, wanting the liberation of God's people. And so God looks for a partner and looks here for Moses and says, Moses, you're going to be my guy. And Moses, of course, is like, who, me? And God's like, yes, you. And Moses is like, couldn't, couldn't be. You know, is there, is there someone else? And Moses begins to object, right? He knows this is a huge call in front of him. 
to go back to Pharaoh where he's a wanted man, right? To go back to this place that he knows but who he fears. And yet with every objection he raises, who am I? How will the Israelites know it's really you? I can't speak. Can you send someone else? God says, but I need you. And I will be with you. And I will equip you. God sticks with Moses until Moses says yes. And Moses is signing up for something that he doesn't even know yet what it will take shape. But he's invited to trust. Trust in this God of his ancestors. And to trust in the God who reveals God's self as I am who I am. Right? I am life. I am being. I am creation. I am the one who is inviting you to work for this new life. Moses is rightly scared. It's a daunting task. And yet, he eventually comes around to yes. With the help of his brother, he will go and live into however God calls him. I think this story is helpful for us as we are in this liminal time. It's been a time that many of us have been trying to reprioritize, to try to think who are we, who and how are we being called to live, right? There's a way in which we know we can't go back. We can't go back to the way things were. We can't go back to burying our heads in the sand and pretending we haven't seen what we've seen the past 18 months. But the way forward is not yet clear. And so we need God's help. We need that presence of God to be with us and to help lead us and guide us. Well, these are the questions that our council our church leaders here are talking about. Together, we have read this book, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, Leading in a Liminal Season. Because as a church, we are asking these questions, right? Who is God calling us to be? Where is God in our midst? And where does God want us to be working for the liberation and the healing of the world? And so one of the things that Susan Beaumont uh, does in this book is she offers uh, four sort of practices that can help us uh, lean into that sense of unknownness and lean into that liminality to, to listen for God's call. And the first is uh, discernment. I should say all four of these show up in our story with Moses this morning, but the first one she talks about is discernment. That discernment is how we listen for the spirit at work in our world. That if we're going to be moving forward in liminal time, we don't have all the answers for how we're supposed to go. But rather, we have to trust in God's spirit as an active presence in the world who is at work in the world and who invites us to, to get on board with what the spirit is doing. We can think of that as sort of the divine spark, the burning bush. Where is God alive in the world? and speaking to us and calling to us. And so Beaumont says one of the things that we have to do is, 
is discern, is, is open ourselves to the Spirit, which we can't control, but we can sort of create uh, some of the conditions to maybe let the Spirit work. So in the same way that Moses was, was open, right, and was curious and saw a flicker and said, well, let me turn aside and look at this. That's kind of what discernment does. It, it tries to move us into a place of openness where we can uh, sort of be attuned to what's going on in the world around us. What do we see? What do we hear? And there's specific practices that we can do individually and communally to do this. Some we already do, like statio at the beginning of worship, where we just pause for a little bit of silence to welcome the Spirit into our midst. We do centering prayer here at church, but there are all kinds of practices, uh, some of which we'll be introducing uh, in worship and adult education and things this year as we really listen for how can we tune ourselves to what the Spirit is doing in our midst. The second thing that uh, Beaumont says we can do, aside with this, uh, along with discernment, is to know our story. She says it's helpful to be reminded of, of who we are, where we've come from, because sometimes that can inform where we're going. And we see this in our story this morning as God identifies God's self and says, you know, I'm the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In other words, you have this faith that has been entrusted to you, Moses. And you can lean on that faith and remember that those blessings are for you. And, uh, and that can help inform how you move in the world. And so one of the things that we want to do here at Lake Oswego UCC this year is dig into our story. Dig into the story of our church, our, our land story. Where, where did this land come from? Who was here before? Uh, dig into the story of our church community. How were we founded? What were the challenges that our ancestors here at LOUCC faced? Who was included in the church? Who was excluded in the church? Uh, what can that tell us about how we're called to be the church today? And so we want to know the stories of the past and we want to know stories of the present. Where are we now? Who are we now? What are the stories we have to share about living in these uncertain and unprecedented times? And how does that help us move forward? So there's that discernment of the spirit. That's that knowing of our story. And then Beaumont says, we also need to clarify our purpose. We need to ask questions of ourselves about our identity, who are we, about our context, who do we serve, and about our values, what are we about? And these questions bring us into the present. Who are we now? Who are we after this experience of pandemic? Who are we in terms of what we uh, represent and value in the world? And then who are we serving, right? Who are the people crying out in our world today? Whose voices do we need to be listening to? And then what values will we share? And then the fourth thing Beaumont says is uh, that we need to engage emergence. That is, we need to just start experimenting with some different things, trying things out to be the church in new ways, kind of like Moses is going to live into uh, whatever God calls him into. And so for us, that'll look like maybe trying some different ways of being church. We're obviously going to be trying the hybrid worship 
we have our faith development team trying a new way to organize families and offer a children's church today. Um, but sort of being willing to take those risks and to see where God leads us. So I wanted to share all this a little bit as a roadmap for where we're going. Our council just decided a theme this week, that is weaving spirit and story to discern our way forward. And so that's what we're going to be doing in this year ahead as a church. Now the great thing about this and what we hear in our story this morning is that it's not something we do alone, right? But God is with us and God partners with us and God invites us to be part of that creativity and that liberating work in the world. And so God's presence is going to be with us, whether we know where we're going or not, whether we try some things and they work or don't work or not, we know that God's spirit is with us. And so as we move forward in these uncertain and unprecedented times, may, may we be open to how the Spirit is among us and calling to us. It may be in burning bushes, but more likely it might be in smaller nudges or still small voices or dreams that come to us or feelings we get when we're together, but to really listen for that Spirit together. And may we be open to the stories that will come to light, the stories of our past, the stories of our present, the stories of those we don't know yet that we'll hear, but just to be open to how those stories can guide us as we listen for our purpose, as we listen for how God is calling us forward. We don't go alone. The God of life is with us, and we are with each other. So may God give us courage and clarity and calling to live out our faith in our generation. Amen.